are back. Welcome everybody to Latin Splaining with Denise, all about business and finances. My name is Denise Gonzalez. For those who do not know me, for those who know me, welcome once again. Uh, please like, subscribe, and also if you can, donate to support the channel. But if you can, just like and subscribe because it doesn't cost you anything, but it helps me grow my channel. Also, um, hit that bell for notifications so that you don't miss any of our shows. Now I see Ramon all aboard, Sundown, JS here on the chat. Welcome once again to Latin Splaining, another one of our live shows. And today's topic is immigration, depression, real. So like I said, uh, before I uh, start today, I want to read a a series of commentaries that I have been noticing on the channel um, from this individual Godzilla Megatron on the past stream that we had. As I said before, if you want to uh, for me to read your commentary, uh, just leave a comment on the uh, below the description. And I will read it the next time. He responded to the Lie Latinos Have Believed Part 3, in which we explained the disparities between Latin American poverty and poverty in the U.S. And it says, how can you have a $1,000 electric bill? Better get rid of that AC and get a fan and window screens and a bucket of water for your feet. Wow, that's really insensitive, but... Let's continue. Another one, he said, in my opinion, Native Americans are about to become extinct. There is about 3 million Native Americans with a birth rate of 1.6%. And then another one, he said, it's up to people in those countries. So he, does, he doesn't, I take that he's not Latino. Um, he said, it, it is up to people in those countries to fix their nations. We Americans can't fix their issues. They need to vote the corrupt politicians out of force, out or force them out with revolutions. Uh, but basically, it's up to those nations. That's what he said. I completely disagree. Uh, but like I said, uh, you know, this is open for debate. Also, like I said, uh, his commentary is a little bizarre, given the fact that he's American. He doesn't understand what we're talking about, but let's keep it moving. Thank you guys for tuning in and let's start today's show. What's up, guys? So uh, on a few news that I wanted to touch base today, um, I came across of, uh, some news that, you know, have been circulating for a while since 2020 and are those of Venezuela migration to Ecuador and Peru. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, realize the, you know, or you guys have heard about how poor Venezuelans, uh, you know, really are and how they have been, you know, treated by their government. However, um, like I said, it's in Ecuador and Peru, and this past August 2020, they voted 
for um, a passport that Venezuelans are going to need in order for them to enter uh, with a passport into these countries and they're regulating the border so that they cannot um, cross quote unquote illegally. And many Venezuelans have rushed to actually make it before that happens, given the fact that, you know, they only have their cedulas. Basically, it's like a form of identification and a social security, what we would call a social security in order for them to enter the country so that they can escape from the nightmare that they have been living under uh, Maduro's regime. And many of them had at least three to six, to six meals per week only. And um, even though they have full-time jobs, sometimes have two, three jobs to actually be able to sustain themselves. So I just wanted to touch base on that since today's topic, it's immigration. Also, um, like I said, it's, it's really sad right now that, you know, among our countries, we're regulating um, migration, knowing there's a humanitarian crisis in Venezuela. And it's really sad to see that, you know, people actually go even walking if they cannot find somebody to smuggle them into the country. So as you can see, this is how Venezuelans leave Venezuela with whatever they can hold with their hands and make it into Ecuador or Peru to actually look for better um, quality of a life and also uh, better jobs and also feed themselves uh, properly. Uh, so, like I said, it's really sad to see commentaries like the ones that we share with Godzilla Megatron that clearly does not partake or understand. And I'm pretty sure he's American, like he stated um, before. Also, I wanted to touch on another topic that, you know, uh, this one is really good. I don't know if you guys know the first, our Vice President Kamala Harris did her first um diplomatic trip and she decided to go to Guatemala and then tomorrow she'll be in Mexico and basically what she's saying to the Guatemalan population that's experiencing hunger famine and a lot of um, violence to not come into the United States because they will be deported back and it brings me back to the Trump era where you know a lot of people blame Trump for the the problems with immigration but basically, um, you know, we know that the previous administration by Obama and Biden actually built the cages and started deporting a lot of people. Uh, I, it's to my understanding that they deported 52 million Latinos and Central, Central Americans and Mexicans among Russians and other countries from Cambodia and stuff like that um, back to their countries uh, through ICE. Now, basically, uh, Kamala Harris, in her out-of-touch uh, assessment, she uh, went down to Guatemala and meet, met President Alejandro Yamate uh, there in Guatemala, and she basically said that the possible immigrants that are coming into the country, uh, she told them it's better if they stay at home and avoid the dangerous journey and she promised that the United States will continue to deport them and enforce their migration laws. So she said, do not come um, because by a large margin, the ones that are benefit 
out of this are the coyotes. For those who do not know, coyotes, coyotes are basically uh, experts in this kind of trips that they charge a fee of thousands uh, of pesos or dollars, depending on, you know, where you're coming from and who you get in touch with to actually bring you into this country through paths that they have guarded and designed. And in that trip, a lot of things happen, you know, from uh, death, you know, assassinations, murders, uh, sexual assaults, um, and other types of assaults until the immigrants come here from their countries uh, and start working under the radar. So basically uh, what she pointed out later on is that the United States now is going to focus uh, mainly on sending $300 million, $310 million to support the refugees and also the lack of food. Um, and also she got in touch with a dozen of American corporations and organizations so that they can make a commitment to invest in the North Triangle of Central Americans, uh, um, Latin countries. So basically, we're going to see an influx of American corporations in Guatemala, uh, I believe, Salvador, and Mexico, so that they can actually uh, generate, quote, unquote, more jobs. To me, that's a little... Uh, wonky it's it's a little I'm a little skeptical about that I don't know about you guys but I'm a little skeptical about you know her approach and what America is doing interfering basically with uh Latin American telling us what to do um I understand that there's some laws here with immigration and whatnot however I believe that we can come to a better understanding than telling people to not come into this country so, like I said, it's really sad that, you know, we're seeing uh, American leaders and also our leaders have these meetings with our leaders um, and actually coming to this conclusion like it's going to solve anything. When in reality, what people um, need is to get the proper education in business and corporate literacy to get themselves out of that situation. So we will see, I will watch very closely the development of this news and see how it goes. But like Ola Board is saying, she's like, whenever big businesses is involved, know that there is big money in it for them. Definitely. I believe this is a new form of exploitation. I don't know if you guys remember when I said that a few months back that the U.S. was going to get involved in a lot of Latin countries for, you know, seeking to exploit the only commodity that we can offer right now, because a lot of us are, you know, come from very poor countries and underdeveloped places. So the only commodity that we have is labor. And the United States, unfortunately, because they hold the majority of the money, they will try to dictate uh, how much we will get paid. Um, and it's like I said, it's something that we must watch uh, real close. And like I said, it's time for us to be those corporations in order for us to watch out for the well-being of our people. I don't see any problem with us bringing corporations through the American system into our countries, but it will be better if uh, we are the people that are actually you know, bringing our own corporations into our countries. Speaking of migration, 
um, since that's the, the topic for today, I also want, want to uh, remind people of something that I've been sharing for a while. Um, I'm glad I got to help, even if it was a little bit. Um, give me one second, guys. Um, you know, and get involved into this. Micah, good evening. Members of the media were not allowed access inside the Long Beach Convention Center, but this is where more than 700 boys and girls are currently being sheltered until they're able to be reunited with family members. The temporary shelter for migrant children at the Long Beach Convention Center is nearing the 1,000 capacity. As of Thursday afternoon, 729 kids are being housed here. Uh, we are doing everything we can to help this humanitarian mission um, of the federal government. Local, city, county, and federal officials toured the facility, including Congresswoman Nanette Diaz-Baragat, who sits on the House Committee on Homeland Security, overseeing the U.S. Customs and Border. Uh, they're as young as five years old, as old as 15 that I got to speak to today. They will tell you about their journey. A journey inescapable of the pandemic. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, 55 children have tested positive for COVID-19. My understanding is 75% of those COVID positives tested positive upon arrival. They come in through a bus. They're immediately tested before they put into population here. Um, and if they are positive, they are segregated and isolated into a different area. Of those with COVID, only one is said to be showing active symptoms. The doctors on site and the entire medical team at UCLA do not classify the amount of children that are here as any type of outbreak. So far, 20 children have been reunited with relatives, with another 40 scheduled to happen within the next few days. Opponents of the emergency migrant shelters blame President Biden for the surge of unaccompanied minors arriving at the U.S. southern border. But his supporters blame the Trump administration for dismantling immigration systems intended to deal with asylum seekers and children. This is a temporary spot until we can get kids back with their families, which is the federal goal here. And officials say the plan is to reunite children with family members within 10 days of them arriving at this exact location. And the location itself is set to close as a shelter by August 2nd. That's the latest in Long Beach. Orlo Salcedo, KTLA 5 News. The so world is not giving us a chance to listen, and I want to change. Uh, basically, as you guys can see, um, we had over 700, 700 kids, I'm sorry, at Long Beach. Now the number is down to a little bit more than 500 that supposedly are going to be uh, reunited with their family members um, in a few days. However, more kids are coming on a company uh, through the border. And like the news said, it's all related to um, the interference that the U.S. government has had with many measurements in different governments and also the approval. I don't know if you guys know what's happening in Honduras. Um, there was an election that was completely corrupt and illegal, and the people were protesting it in Honduras. But because uh, President Trump endorsed the election and basically vetted it, without analyzing the circumstances. Uh, basically, Honduras turned into a narco state right now. And there's a lot of people that have been killed in massacres in 
and by the government of Honduras. So, like I said, definitely the situation with um, our immigrants, it's getting to a point where it's a little bit out of control and we must do something as Latinos, uh, gather with each other and start forming different uh, corporations, foundations or organizations to help these people and provide a better livelihood for them so that they don't have to come here and suffer um, many things like, like I stated before that they suffer during these journeys that are so dangerous for them let alone for kids if it's already dangerous for for adults like myself and like you guys it's even more dangerous for these children as you guys saw there's five-year-olds 10-year-olds seven-year-olds 15-year-olds there's many of them that are not even able to defend themselves and um you know against the the violence and the assaults that happen during this journey now they come here uh, with all of these traumas and that's the discussion we're going to have today. And we're gonna talk about the mental repercussions of this migration issues, not only to the US, but like we saw with Venezuela, also the migration to Ecuador and Peru. Let's get to our main topic for today. And our main topic in Latin explaining today is it's immigration depression real. There's a lot of stigma surrounding uh, mental health issues, especially in our community. Uh, any minority um, has these issues. First, I want to um, do a disclaimer. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. And I'm definitely not a psychiatrist. So um, seek professional help if you are experiencing uh, symptoms of depression. And I want to share with you what I shared at the beginning. There is help out there for you guys if you cannot afford a healthcare provider or if you um, are, you know, scared of your legal status. Uh, they don't require you to have a, a legal status to actually help you with any mental health or substance abuse. So the hotline for the SAMHSA organization is 1-800-662-HELP, which is 4357. I said it again, it's 1-800-662-4357. So if you or a loved one are experiencing uh, any issues with mental health or struggling with substance abuse, feel free to uh, shoot them a call and there is help out there for you or your loved one you're not alone and like I said we have to help normalize mental health access in our communities because there's a lot of things that are happening a lot of people are suffering from major trauma not only by the C-19 but also by the migration uh, issues and the stuff that they go through now like I said I want you guys to spread the word, share this content. If you know anybody that's in need of this, please share the, the hotline with them so that they can get the help that they need. And also remind them that they're not alone and there is help out there for them. Now, I want to share with you guys um, some things that I have found for this topic 
that we're going to touch uh, today about undocumented immigrants and the traumas that they experience. The American Psychi Psychiatric Association released a statement uh, of stress and trauma toolkit, uh, toolkit for treating undocumented immigrants in changing political and social environment. Let's not forget that, you know, when you come here to this country or any other country um, for that matter, there are several, you do the, the physical journey, but there are several things that are unseen because we're not able to see in a tangible way our emotions and our trauma. The only way that, or the only metric that we have to actually measure that is development, is performance and behavior. So the American Psychiatry um, Association actually released this and said, immigration to the United States began in the 17th century and ever since the country has been the destination for millions of people as they search for a better life. According to recent Pew Research data, there are approximately 11 million undocumented immigrants in the U.S. Of this 6.5, 6, I mean 5.6, I'm sorry, million of, are of Mexican descent, 1.8 million are from Central America, and 1.5 million are from Asia. The U.S. civilian workforce include 8 million of unauthorized immigrants uh, in the workforce. Ever since the passage of the Asian Exclusion Act in 1875, the U.S. government has made several attempts to exclude undocumented immigrants and prevent their access to citizenship. This includes the strategy of creating more stringent immigration policies for specific groups in response to political pressures. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, known, known as ICE, the federal agency responsible for immigration enforcement that created in response to September 11, 2001 terrorist attack exemplified this approach. Now, I want to get to um, specific, specific uh, risk factors of immigration. And according to the American Psychiatry um, Association, they said that trauma and stressors before, during, and after immigration. Undocumented immigrants often experience trauma at various stages of the migration process. Before the migration journey uh, that they, they face, uh, financial issues, sense of failure, escape from violence, poverty, political oppression, threats, or disasters. During the risk factors is violence, environmental hazards, abandonment or separation, and witnessing debt. I want to focus on this a little bit. Like I said before, um, the coyotes and the people that are smuggling uh, these people into the United States and other countries often abuse their power and their knowledge and enforce violence and also uh, pose a lot of hazards for the people that are embarking in this journey. Also, we have the environmental hazards because the conditions that uh, they travel in are so um, unpredictable that you know you cannot predict if you're going to have a natural disaster when this is happening and that also posts as a threat and surviving that is a trauma on itself 
Now we have with the children, like we saw before, the sense of abandonment or separation and also witnessing death because many died during this journey, depending on the circumstances and the environment that they are traveling, also because of violence that often happens during these trips. Now, after they already made it into the country or their final destination, they faced limited resources given their status, intra and interpersonal conflict, stress from adjusting to their new environment, exploitation, and fear of deportation. Um, there's a lot of people, like we mentioned before, there's uh, 8 million, 11 million, I'm sorry, to undocumented immigrants in this country that are living through that in real time. You know, they probably have no, um, have very limited places where they can get a job uh, with their status that is illegal, basically. Also, um, they have internal and external personal conflict, depending on the circumstances of their arrival or their livelihood here, or who's going to receive them and whatnot. Also, they suffer from constant stress because imagine coming from to a foreign country where you don't know even where a pharmacy is at, a grocery store is at, how you're going to feed yourself, what kind of foods are you going to be exposed to, or the people or the language barriers. Also, exploitation because given the fact that they don't have a legal status, they have no rights or no access to the rights that regular U.S. citizens have when put in the workplace, the workforce, I'm sorry. And also the constant fear of deportation that can generate anything ranging from anxiety to PTSD, and those are complicated mental disorders. Uh, also, they face racism and discrimination. It says over and subtle acts of racism and discrimination. I'm going to go real quick through this. Racial profiling, implicit or explicit bias, and microaggressions, religious, and also religious discrimination. Um they also go through uh, poor treatment in school and the workplace, and that's also a risk factor for them because there's a stigma that undocumented immigrants are often subjected to stigma at work, in school, and by society. Uh, we have seen like the comments that I uh, place of Godzilla Megatron. We have seen a surge in a lot of Latinos and a lot of Asians that are legally here in this country making a lot of derogatory comments about these immigrants as if they had any other option to stay in their country, they wouldn't have to come here. They're not coming here because they want luxury or they want a Rolls Royce. They're coming here because there's no other way to survive. And when you're facing either death or a disaster or hunger and you have kids and you have your family, you'd rather risk that. Now, there's shifting family structures and dynamic. It says undocumented immigrants have varying family situations and mixed status. Families are common. Some individuals are in the U.S. alone. Others have large families and some have children's, children who are citizens. This can create a strained family situation, including varying levels of inclusion, exclusion, acculturation, and desires for assimilation among family members. This shifting and potentially disparate priorities often lead to increase in intergenerational conflicts. Um, this is what we're seeing on a larger scale in our community where we have um, Americanized Latinos refer to our people and their people as those immigrants or those countries. It's basically because of they their mental position where they're seeing 
um, these people from the outside. There's such a, you know, we're disconnected by thousands of miles and, you know, we're not seeing as the same. We're seeing as something different, sometimes below and stuff like that. And in, in, in your family, uh, you probably have illegal immigrants in your family. You probably have um, undocumented family members that are coming here that don't know the way of the land and you have to teach them they have to start from the bottom and stuff like that so it's like i said it's it's um also imagine having your kids to stay here in the u.s because they're legal citizens but you're not and that's something that we have seen increase in the last 10 to 15 years um here in the u.s especially after 9 11 now, social isolation, stigma often leads to social isolation and a decreased level of support in the community. This is basically what I was saying. Uh, isolation can be a risk factor for mental health disorders. Also, separation from family, what I mentioned before. Um, institutional racism and social determinants for, of mental health. Racism is a social determinant of mental health. Institutional, ra institutional racism aggravates other social determinants of mental health, including access to quality education, safe housing, gainful employment, appropriate health care, and a clean environment. Low socioeconomic status and housing segregation and frequent moves, especially this one, because even in poverty, uh, you know, even though it's, it is a risk factor, the housing segregation and the frequent moves, depending on your status, because you're constantly afraid of, you know, am I going to get deported? Am I going to get, you know, arrested and sent back to my country? What's going to happen to my kids, my life? Because imagine you're living a normal life, put yourself in the position of, you know, of these people and imagine you have your children and all of a sudden, you know, somebody finds out you're an illegal immigrant or ICE is knocking on your door and deports you, but leaves your children here. That level of destabilization uh, brings a lot of trauma and depression because you never feel a part of anything and there's no sense of belonging because the community is so broken. Uh, there's fears and distrust in the U.S. legal system and the fear of deportation and a higher overall risk of mental health issues for some undocumented immigrants. Now, also, the American Psychiatrist Association created a paper to actually um, make their stand known for, you know, their opinion on this immigration laws. And I want to share with you guys especially the ones separating the children because of the mental repercussions that can have in these children. Um, give me one second and I will share it with you guys. It says, um, APA statement opposing separation of children from parents at the border. I want to remind you guys that this was in 2018 and we're still seeing this happen. So that was their recommendation based on the mental health of these children and their families. And it says, as a physician, experts in mental health, 
the American Psychiatric Association opposes any policy that separates children from their parents at the United States border. Children depend on their parents for safety and support. Any forced separation is highly stressful for children and can cause lifelong trauma. It's not something that's going to get you're going to get over in a few months. This can follow you your whole life as well as an increased risk of other mental illnesses such as depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, what we mentioned before. The evidence is clear that this level of trauma also results in serious medical and health consequences for these children and their caregivers. Many families crossing the United States border are fleeing war and violence in their home countries and are already coping, coping with the effects of that stress and trauma. These children deserve our protection and should remain with their families as they seek asylum. The APA recommends an immediate halt to the policy separating, of separating children from their parents. And we all know the response that our government gave to that, you know, which is basically don't come here. So, like I said, it's, it's really, you know, disheartening to see you know, basically what's happening, uh, you know, with these children at the border and also see what's happening with their parents. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking. So like I said, I'm going to share with you guys um, right now for the ones that are interested in helping the children at the Long Beach um, Convention Center. Like I said before, we have hundreds of kids uh, alone and um, not a lot of Latinos volunteer, unfortunately, to watch over these kids. Not a lot of the people that volunteer were selected because you have to go on their federal screening. And sometimes people probably got scared of that or some people might not even have legal documentation to actually apply for this. And out of fear, they did not. But if you want to still support these children, uh, in their journey to be reunited with their parents or whatever else they want to do with the opportunity that they have to be in this country. I have on the bottom of the screen, the Long Beach Community Foundation and where you can send either money orders or a check so that you can donate so that these kids can have access to food and other medical necessities along with clothing, toys and other things. And just remember that in the check or the money order, you have to put Migrant Children Support Fund. And it can be sent to the Long Beach Community Foundation at 400 Ocean Gate, Suite, Suite 800, Long Beach, California, 90802. And remember, like I said before, the check should be uh, payable or the money order should be payable to Migrant Children Support Fund. Uh, put it to be payable to that fund so that we can support our children coming through the border without their parents. And like I said, it doesn't matter if what you have is a dollar, please send it. If you have 10, send it. It's better than to not send anything. We have to hold our community uh, in support with all the stuff that's happening in their countries and then coming here to stay at this shelter. It will be open till August 12th. So, like I said, make sure if you have clothes or anything like toys and encouraging letters like they were asking for us until May 22nd, you can still drop them off at the Long Beach Convention Center. 
like I said, make sure if you cannot do that, you can send your uh, financial donations so that we can help the children. Now, like I said before, many of these issues are overseen, oversought in uh, the migration process. And a lot of people just see uh, the migrants from our countries and other countries around the world coming here into America. And it's easy to criticize them. It's easy to point out many things, but these people actually go through so much, so much trauma that will they will carry for the rest of their lives, including, unfortunately, the children, which are the future. And if we are to help our people, we have to start from the mind and then from the out, the inside out. So like I said, uh, it's time for us to normalize in our community the access to mental health. And I'm going to share once again the hotline for Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, SAMHSA, the hotline is 1-800-662-4357. So if you know of a friend, even though they don't have um, a legal status to be here, your status is not going to be questioned. Uh, they're just here to help you or your loved ones that are going through the situation uh, and you know help them in any way they can. They are not alone. And if anybody is watching me right now that either live or on the replay that still their status is not legally, um, you know, it's not legally implemented here in the U.S., you can still reach out, you know, if you have any doubts or if you want more support, you can always shoot me an email or DM me on Instagram. Uh, you guys are not alone. We have to start behaving more like a community. If you want to support, uh, you know, our community also provide, even if it's just uh, an ear to listen to our people so that they don't feel isolated and also help them with, you know, to cope with the fact that they're in a new country where they probably don't know the language. They don't know where to find a job. They don't know where they're going to stay or where their next meal is going to come from. Any way you can help improve the lives of our people that are coming through the border, please, today is the day to start being different. And I'm going to keep the information for the donations for the Migrant Children um, Fund. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep it on the screen during the rest of the show. So if you miss it, it's still going to be there. Please make sure you send your donations. Even if it's a dollar, five dollar, two dollar, ten dollar, I don't care. Let's start sharing this information also with our loved ones so that we can all help these children do this journey and actually have access to different things that they will need. Now, probably, you know, a lot of people would think that I'm full of shit, that I don't know what I'm talking about, that you know, mental illness is something that people should get over it. And, you know, not complain about it. Probably I'm full of shit. Who knows? You know, probably I'm mistaken and I'm just not knowing what I'm talking about. And for those who actually do think I know what I'm talking about also, I'm going to share the link. But before I share, I share the link, um, you guys know we always go into intermission. So you're going to be backstage for a few minutes. Stick with me. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. But like I said, we're going to going to intermission but before like i said uh make sure you start researching 
these repercussions and the, the realness of these mental issues that migration brings to our people and people from other communities. It's time for us and our humanity to start coming out. We can no longer, uh, you know, be seeing our people as those immigrants. It's time for us to actually help our people achieve, uh, you know, a better mental status so that they can make decisions that eventually, you know, will help them with their lives. So before we go into intermission, guys, like I said before, please uh, like and subscribe to support the platform. If you can do so, um, if you can donate, just please like and subscribe. Uh, we're going to go into intermission. And when I'm back, we will discuss the realness of immigrant depression. So I will be back in a few and we will discuss it. <laughs> Thank you. 
are back from intermission and I see that Jose is here. Um, hi, Jose, how are you? Good evening, Denise, how are you doing today? I'm fabulous, how about you? I'm doing great, thank you. Any day above ground is a good day. That's right. Now, what do you have on today's topic about its immigration depression real? Well, I would say that it's definitely real. Okay, and the reason why I say that, first of all, disclaimer, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a mental health person. However, I have experienced depression. And I had experienced thoughts about committing suicide. So for the naysayers that wants to downplay it, it's a serious issue. I mean, when you think about it, this country has had a bad, very bad reputation of dealing with people who are different. Okay. So you can just imagine some child or some individual from a small town in Mexico or in Honduras or Guatemala um, is trying to escape poverty. It's trying to escape violence. And then they, they make the perilous trip to get to the United States. And then when they finally arrive, they're dealing with so many obstacles. Language barrier, not knowing the customs, there's a huge amount of discrimination. So obviously, <clears throat> these individuals are going to face depression. I mean, just, just in your situation, um, when you left Puerto Rico um, to go to California, I mean, that was an experience for yourself. Yeah. And I don't know whether when you're alive in California, that you have people that can help you um, adjust. But for many of these people, there's not too many people that can help them. Yeah, because um, gladly I can say my situation is not as bad as, you know, people that don't have the legal documentation have it. You know, they have the, the added layer you know, that they do not have the legal citizenship to come here. So they're always watching over their shoulder with anxiety and stress. I had the blessing of not having to go through that, but my heart goes out to the people that actually have to go through it because I consider them my people. And yes. even though I had the advantage of actually, you know, being able to come here legally, you know, many of our people don't have that benefit. Therefore, you know, they are exposed to many other things. And even so I had that blessing, it was really hard for me to deal with cultural shocks and also the different language, even though I knew English before I came into this country. So I can only imagine the pain and suffering that a lot of our people go through when they come here. Before yes. I, I bring uh, uh, the rest of the, the panelists here, I wanna uh, ask Luis. Luis, I'm gonna let you in even though you're not cammed up, uh, but if you're a troll, I will remove you right away. Um, hi, Luis, how are you? Luis. 
I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you Hello? for joining today. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, hear you. Don't worry. Yeah. So, so uh, how are you today? I'm good. I recent. I'm a. I'm a recent subscriber. So okay, I just. I just wanted so to, jo uh, to join the stream. But um, uh, but this. Oh yeah, of course. And this topic is very like uh, recent because like my I'm I'm first generation, and I'm pretty young. And I think I've seen my I've been blessed enough because my dad is like he had, he he hasn't told me like his full his full story. Like he, there's still stuff he doesn't really tell me just because. But he I think he has a, he's adapted well just because I I think one thing that when it comes to when it comes to Latin American immigrants, I think one of the things that that helps them adapt, I would say, at least from my experience, is church. Like when they when they go to these to you, for example, we stayed at um at Providence, and we stayed at like uh, at South Providence in Rhode Island, and there was there was a local church, and it, it was very charismatic. Like all these like different miracles happened, and that really held the community together. Like we would help each other, we would bless each other. We would, um, if if someone was was struggling with debt, if they was in debt, um, we would uh, uh, gather money to to help them out. So I think one of the things that helps certain people adapt, I would say, is church. I I don't know about y'all, but I think that's definitely, one of the things that that helps. Because there there are many there are many churches out there that actually provide their services either as a sanctuary for our people or they provide other services like housing or help paying bills and, and you know, connect people that don't necessarily have the legal documentation to find gainful employment. And yeah, I will agree with you on that one, a hundred percent. And like I said, it's, mm -hmm. it's a very, yeah. it's a humanitarian crisis. Uh, you know, it, it's like mm -hmm. I said, it's something that a lot of people shy away from speaking up, but I believe that the reason why Many of us go through so many different things is because we constantly push it in the back of our heads in, in the we don't prioritize our mind. So, like I said, it's something that I feel, you know, the duty to bring to a, awareness, you know, all the things that Latinos go through to make it into this country. And the reason why many of us have a lot of issues incorporating ourselves to the Americana culture is because first our mindset is, is all over the place because, you know, immigrants mm -hmm. go through so much, through so much. And it's yeah. not, you yeah. know, being talked about in any way that mm -hmm. people can understand or reach out for help. So, like I said, it's it's up to us that don't have to, you know, be scared of being deported or anything like that to help these people, help our community um, to actually come up and lend them a hand and bring them up with us. So definitely, I'm, I'm glad that you find my, found my platform because this is the type of topic that I love to touch on. I'm an advocate for us seeking a lot of uh, mental help when needed and also when we're going through trauma. Now I'm mm. going to move to all aboard, then Ramon and then Brotep. Welcome guys, all aboard. What do you have on today's topic? Hello everyone. Um, hi, hello. Hi to the rest of the panelists and hi Denise. Hi. Um, I wanted to speak on that because like Louis said, I'm also um, a child of immigrants. My father was undocumented up until 
just a few years ago and had to help him to apply for his citizenship and he received it. But that was years and years that he put into this country that he won't ever get anything out of. That means no social security benefits. That means all the all of the taxes, that all of that work that he paid, that went to the American people. That's to our benefit. And so many immigrants pay into this this um, country and get nothing out of it. So what I um, would like to touch on is the villainization of of immigrants is um, is propaganda. I think that's just like a ploy from um, the one percent to make us feel like these are the enemies when the majority of immigrants, it, even illegal, are good, upstanding, hardworking people. The majority they do not get they don't get food stamps. They're not going and getting free health care. They're literally working and doing what America says, pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. And many they're of them coming here, they're coming here, sorry to cut you off, but like they're coming here not to, you know, depend on nobody. They're coming here because they literally want to work. Let's not forget that part. Like a lot of our people come here because they want to work hard, that they want a benefit out of their work. That's what they don't get in our countries. You know, you can work super hard, but still be poor as hell here you have the opportunity to work a lot but also you'll get the benefit of you know getting paid properly so i would say you know when people like donald trump or you know biden or harris or obama you know keep dehumanizing uh our people by placing them in cages like they're a commodity or furniture it, that gets me always so mad because you're dehumanizing our people and making them look as if they have an option to not come here. When in reality, if we had an option to stay, we will stay. But that's not an option. And many people have a goal of going back home. Many people yeah. do have that goal. So I really don't. And, and I also wanted to mention, because we were speaking on this topic earlier on, on another channel. Um, Many, many people are under the assumption that Mexicans are coming here. Mexicans are actually at net zero, which means more Mexicans are leaving than are coming, right? We also need the labor, the labor. We do, because there's a lot of people that are not going to do these jobs, these hard labor jobs, right? But can you imagine these people end up getting targeted, not just by the coyotes, but, but by the people here? Because yes. you get taken advantage of on all on all fronts. Yeah, you know, you don't have a bank to put your money in, right? Yeah. So you have to walk around with all the money that you make, you walk around with it on you. You can be robbed, you know. The just the idea that if I am victimized, I can't go to the police because you know what? I can get deported, right? Yeah. I can leave my children behind. That is like living under constant fear and stress. And I know because I've seen it personally. And um the mental health thing is something that we don't really talk about because, um, I mean, I don't think people even, um, the majority of people don't seem to care, right? But the mental health thing, we have to remember the majority of those children are gonna stay in America, right? Yeah. Whether they like it or not, they're gonna be here. So we have to do is we have to, we have to 
take care of those children and those families because they're going to be a part of America, whether they like it or not. Definitely. Now I want to go to Ramon. Uh, welcome, Ramon. How are you? Can you hear us, Ramon? Uh, uh, yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, apparently it, it was muted. Hey, hello. Hello. Thank, thank you, Denise, for letting me on, on your panel. Hello, everybody on the panel. Everybody on the chat. Hello. Hello. Oh. Hi. Hi. Now, what's your uh, opinion on today's topic? Is immigration depression real? Well, Definitely, definitely. It's something that, that can be very real. Maybe not for every single person, but definitely it can happen to a certain number number of people. I mean, you have to consider not just the the, the people that, that can migrate to another another country, not, not taking into consideration the whole um the whole situation with the with the refugees because a lot of a lot of these kids a lot of these, these people that are uh, fleeing conflict that are fleeing in violence they are refugees they are refugees that that's a, a whole different thing altogether it's not just that they are not being able to find a job in the in the respective countries it's because they are fleeing something there is a, 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 a certain imminent, imminent threat that they are fleeing for. It's very easy to be judgmental to, towards them because there are certain people that, because they are so smart and they have this mentality that they, uh, they think of the, of the migrants uh, from Central America or, or, or even Mexico, uh, that they are trying to get to the border uh, walking possibly hundreds of miles to get to the border, cross the border, border so they can get on welfare over here. There, there are people that are uh, that actually actually think like that. It, we're talking about people that were not raised that way to begin with. Yes, yeah. there might be instances of of certain elements that might not be might not have the best interest of themselves or their people that at heart but the majority of them are trying to look for a for a better life trying to restart trying to get into a better situation um it is not it, it is not upon certain people that really don't understand the depth the depth and the complexity of the problem to pass judgment to pass judgment it's not it's not a, not up to not up to them. They are they are comfortable maybe somewhere certain times in, in the Midwest when they don't have to see any any of this up close, and it's easy for them to to be passing judgment, right? Yes. Uh, but no, definitely it can take a toll. It's something that it can take a toll on two fronts really quickly. Yes. It, it can take a toll uh, on on the immigrant that have to leave everything that they that they knew which is what happened what happened with me and what happened probably most likely with you you have to leave you have to leave out of necessity what you knew uh, everything that you loved the people that you loved getting suddenly cut off from all of that it can it can have an effect on you that's not 
including the people that are fleeing, the, the refugees. They're already uh, coming with a situation. They're already having a trauma. And on top of that, where they were trying to find sanctuary, where they were trying to find like a, like a, a real safe space, if we can call it, they may be they may have to deal with the with with people that don't want them around they're already having judgment on them are calling them things calling them names that adds to that definitely definitely and it's like i said we were blessed enough to have our citizenship situation worked out and we still face some kind of depression or PTSD from coming here so abruptly to such a different scenario. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can only imagine, and my heart goes out to the people that are coming here without that benefit. Yeah. Now, I want to go to Brotep. Uh, Brotep, welcome to, to the platform. Um, oh, thank you very much. All right, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. A little tired, but I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me. I hear from you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A few days. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Your, your voice <laughs> talking about serious topics too. Now, yeah. Um, what's your take on today's subject? Is immigrant depression real? Okay, so um, for my my specific case, I can't speak expansively on the topic because I come from relative privilege. Okay, so like back in Haiti, you know, the uncle was, you know, a, a district attorney. The dad was a top engineer. We had maids, private tutors who taught us jujitsu, math, music, right? So when we got here, the people who got here under dire circumstances, whether it, they could barely afford the, uh, afford the plane ticket or they, you know, got here through other means, you know, boat and stuff like that, they blew past me. They blew past me academically. So there's this myth out here of the lazy immigrant or the lazy refugee who's come here to suck up resources and exploit America. These people, they, they risk everything to come here. You think they're going to jerk around when they get here? Again, my perspective on it is that I didn't come from that but those who came from that, they were so driven and motivated and so um, filled with ingenuity, they blew past me academically, professionally, and everything. So when they, when they perpetuate this myth of the, the uh, let's say, Hispanic immigrant, you know, coming from El Salvador, or Mexico, or whatever, oh, they're coming to, to uh, you know, to, to become gangsters and uh, what do you call those guys, MS-13. And look, you're, you're either already MS-13 when you leave that place or you're not right so there's not you don't get jumped in over here in the states to become ms-13 that's not a thing so these people who come here they risk everything they risk death to come here life incarceration in, in some cases you know if they get uh some sort of crime pinned on them or incarceration then get deported back and a lot of times the money they spent to get here is all they had anyway. So when you send them back, they're going back to homelessness, to like a worse situation than when they left. Yeah. So yeah, that stuff will take a toll on you mentally. If you think, I mean, the, the little first world problem, you know, uh, 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 schmucks who live here, who think they have PTSD from like, I don't know, having a bad pizza or taco or something. Oh my God. I'm like, totally stressed if you think that gives you ptsd try ducking bullets 
Try escaping gangsters. Try doing all that. Try risking drowning. Yeah. Try doing all that. You know what I mean? Um, one, one of the things that speaking with, with uh, you know, other immigrants who got here, again, through dire means, not, not how I got here, but through other means, one of the things that they have is a sense of bittersweet. They love the country they come from. It's just a non-permissive environment for them, whether it's economically or politically, like through political violence. So when they come here, they their heart is ripped out of their chest. They have to leave all that back home. Yeah. And then now they got to acclimate. So that PTSD, whatever they suffered, brings it, it, it follows them here. Plus separation anxiety. You think when you're in kindergarten, mommy goes away, you know, and leaves you there with strangers. You think that's traumatizing? Try leaving your home that you grew up in. Yeah. So it's I, I think it's not just uh, one issue that that each immigrant is suffering. I think it's compounded. One separation anxiety, two PTSD, um, the the trouble acclimating to people who may have racist and bigoted energy towards them when they're here. All these different things will make for um, someone who will actually need therapy, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I agree. It's, it's it's something that, like I said, it's it's heartbreaking because we see our community here is shattered in so many pieces. And mm -hmm. a lot of people like to blame propaganda for when we bring awareness to this. But I'm, I would like to bring to those type of individuals the propaganda that they have let into their homes and their minds is that you shall leave behind your people because if you had it rough and you made it they can't you know and that's something that really irritates me because to be honest with you a lot of our people it's supposed to work harder to open roads for the rest of our people we are supposed to break ground so that they can we can, we're supposed to walk or crawl so that they can walk and run That means that we're not doing what we're supposed to do. And what irritates me is something that I want to ask you, the panelists, I'm going to go one by one. I want to ask you guys a question on your perspective on this. Why, instead of Kamala Harris going to Guatemala and evaluate the poor conditions our people live, and also in Mexico, the situation that is mounting up over there, why they don't, why she didn't offer our people Uh, refugee in the United States like they did with other places like Syria. Why refugee was not, you know, guaranteed or, or offered to our people, but is offered to other communities? I don't know if you guys see, see it the same way. I'm going to start with Jose with that question. What do you think about Kamala Harris just telling our people, oh, stay in your country, no matter how violent and poor you, uh, you know, poor situations you have to live through. Uh, what's your take on, on the U.S. government treating us in a different way than they treat other immigrants? I think it's disgusting because these poor souls, they're leaving their homes, not because they want to. They have to. They're, you know, they're facing threats of death, abuse, Just to think, they're traveling hundreds of miles, being, you know, being a victim of the coyotes coming over to the United States. 
And then they face victimization again. And we haven't even touched upon the individual who was sexually exploited, which is which is very which is very sad. So of course these these dear people are going to have issues with depression. I mean, anyone, okay, anyone that can think rationally would be depressed. Because think about it: you're leaving your home. You're leaving your loved ones, and you're going to a land that you have no idea. You don't have no idea with the culture. You don't have no idea of the language. You don't have any idea how things are done in the United States, or whether or not there's going to be people when you arrive that's going to help you to orient you to adapt to life in the United States and not exploit you. Um, I just want to mentioned that here in New York, we have a thing called NYC Well, and the whole purpose is to provide mental health services uh, for people who need it, and they can get it 24-7, because the fact of the matter is these individuals do need mental health because they've been through so much mental stress. And I can talk for hours. And the fact of the matter is, everybody came from somewhere else. Yes. The only the only people that can possibly claim that what well, that was not it didn't apply to them was the indigenous people that came to the lived in the United States. But we all came from all over the world. We all have to face trials and tribulations in order to adapt. And on top of that, and I, and I keep mentioning, this country has had a bad reputation of dealing with people who are different. And there are so many examples. Take a look at the Africans that were brought in as slaves as, as, starting 1619. Think of the genocide that we did on the indigenous people, um, so so-called Indians. Think of the Japanese Americans that were interned during World War II for fear they will help Japan. Definitely. And then what really gets me irked up, I remember when I worked for the, for the New York State Department of Labor, there was agencies that helped Russian immigrants to come to this country, they get food stamps, they get benefits. Now, it's okay to help them. But when it comes to someone from Guatemala or from Mexico or Central or South America, all of a sudden, we don't have the money. In the richest country in the world, and please forgive me for ranting, but... <laughs> I love your rants. Keep, keep them coming. Now, I will move to Oliver. Uh, Oliver, what do you think? I have a, um, a bunch of thoughts on this subject, and I'm going to just touch on what Jose is saying. Um, 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 Central and South Americans are not the majority of the people that are coming here illegally. They're the people that are being targeted at the moment. I noticed that when immigration, when we had open borders and we welcomed people, it was because they were coming from Europe, right? But now that the people are coming from somewhere somewhere else, they're being they're being vilified. The majority of people that come here illegally 
come here on a plane and they overstay their visa. A lot of them come from Russia. A lot of them come from China. A lot of them come from Canada, right? And let's not forget that the largest immigrant group here is Germans, actually. Mm -hmm. And they, and were, they were received here with open arms. Uh huh. And um, they also have more resources. Their family. Right. Yeah, they, their family, bro. You're absolutely right. They are I would much, family. I would much rather have a person come here that is starving and, and would walk 30 days to get here. I, I want to welcome them with open arms because those are the people who need it. Now, some of these people, we have a thing in, in Miami and in New York and in California. It's um birth tourism where you have wealthy people that come here just to get their babies on citizenship. And then they leave. They don't even necessarily need it, right? Yeah. That happens, and we're not targeting these people, right? One question that mm -hmm. I want, I have for you is, what do you think about, you know, the lack of Kamala Harris, her, her lack of sensibility? What I stating, you know, that you know, instead of offering refugee, it's like go back to your country mentality. Like, what I'm very disappointed. I, I mean, honestly, I'm very disappointed because. She's the product of immigrants. She's the product of immigrants. So I'm very disappointed, but I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed, but I am not surprised. Definitely. Because this is something, you know, her history shows that it's one way for her and another way for everyone else. And um, that's why it's really important to vote for our people's needs and what we want to have accomplished. Um, Kamala is, um, you know, we all, we all know she's a hypocrite on many levels. Yeah. She's a cop. <laughs> she's a cop. Mm -hmm. I, I, like, I'm very disappointed because, um, the whole point about changing the, um, you know, changing parties, putting a different party into the white house was supposed to be about change. You know, we wanted something different, but we found that Biden even, um, we had to like kind of bully him into opening, um, into hiring the amount of immigrants that he was allowing into the country. This is legal immigration. I believe it was at like 63,000 people, right? That's legal. And you know, the people that are getting the access to this legal immigration, they're not brown and they're not black. So I just wanted to speak on that. Um, Oh, one more thing. One more thing. Go ahead. Um, but one thing we're not mentioning is the abuse that these poor babies are going through. It's sexual abuse, right? We talk about people being exploited and human trafficked, right? Those children right now in those centers are being sexually abused by staff, right? They're being neglected. Um, their education is neglected, right? If America tames someone, they have the legal responsibility to ensure the safety and health and education of these children. They're not doing it. We are failing on every single level and we're going to have to pay for that. That's all. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you all aboard for your thoughts on that. And yeah, I, I definitely agree with you a hundred percent. Now I'm going to move to Ramon. Ramon, what do you think about, you know, Kamala Harris having a double standard when it comes to, you know, our, uh, immigrants 
and telling them to stay in their country as opposed to what other arrangements have been done by the government to provide refugee uh, status to other countries here in the U.S.? Well, the first thing, the first thing that comes to mind is that it could be a, a matter of numbers because you mentioned at the beginning uh, with your question about uh, certain privileges that are being afforded to Middle Easterners, something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I think it's a question, it's a matter of numbers because there is no such thing as 11 million Middle Easterners over here to my understanding. There are, unfortunately, unfortunately, for various reasons, 11 million undocumented people from that are Hispanics, that are from Central America, Mexico, and so on. It, it's kind of like a, they, they feel that there are already too many. Uh, the, there, are, there are too many, but like Alabar mentioned, the, the whole thing with the influx of immigrants from south of the, of the border, it's something that is being canceled by the outgoing people that are going back to where they came from. So it's not, there is no invasion. Uh, there are certain people that, that, that believe that there is this invasion, unfortunately, unfortunately, because of who, who we had as president who kept repeating the word invasion when it comes to to immigration, undocumented immigration, it may have been, there, there is a strong connection to that, the continuing use of the word invasion and what happened in El Paso, the shooting, the shooting at the Walmart that happened in El, pa El Paso because on the guy's manifesto, he was talking about that he, uh, something along the lines that he wanted to stop the, the invasion from south of the, of the border. And, the, uh, it was a tragedy that so many people ended up getting killed be, uh, because of that. But I think it's because of the uh, that double standard that you were mentioning is because of the numbers. Because the people from the mid Middle East, before they can even get here, are heavily, heavily vetted, and and it's only in small amounts that are they are allowed uh, coming into the country. So they are these are already people that they are the Department of State or whatever authority in charge is already like almost 100% sure that they are not bringing in a, bringing in a, a terrorist or a criminal and, and things like that. But it's in very relatively small numbers. So I think it's, that's why they feel like it's a little safer to deal with people from the Middle East and bringing them in. Nothing against them. I, got, I don't have anything against them. But because they bring them in such limited quantities, and in comparison, it's a, such a small number in comparison to what's happening at, uh, at the border, it, it's easier for them to use that as justification to not trying to have more of a humane uh, a humane path or a, or a humane process for people that that are refugees that are that they're risking their lives because it's kind of like one of uh, it's like stay and die or risk risk your life with dying trying to get over to the United States and possibly if they get into the, the United States they could possibly die at a detention center so the, it's like knowing those things can compound the issue 
of stress and depression as an immigrant, which is your main topic. So I think it has to do with the numbers. That's that's the best that I can. I, I will have to look more into it, but that's how I think it is because there is more control of when it comes to the influx, when it comes to immigrants from, from other parts of the world, it's kind of like easier to keep more of a clamp on the quantities that, that are being brought in the in the United States. And do you think uh, if, if the number is the situation, uh, then that brings more questions because then why the U.S. feels that interfering with Latinos, Latin countries affairs, you know, that affects the people, actually, why then they feel entitled to interfere uh, knowing that that will cause more people to come here. Do you think that that benefits the U.S. financially somehow, that people are misplaced from where they're from? It benefits the maybe the, the people that are already very rich that might have some type of a business interest when it comes to, to the other parts of, La, uh, of Latin America, not necessarily because of the of resources, but there has to be there has to be something in it for officials in the government or contractors with the government, including when it comes to the military. When it comes to war, you always hear stories of recent incursions by the by the United States military in this part of, of Latin America or that part, not, not just in the, in the Middle East or in Africa, but, uh, but also in, in, in different parts. Well, the, I was going to mention the, the fiasco with Venezuela, but that supposedly that was a, a, private, a private company or a private firm that was trying to get into Venezuela uh, and they were caught. But uh, I'm positive that, that uh, wherever there is, there is a military base, in, in Latin America, and, and there are there, there are a few. It's not just in, in Puerto Rico or, or Guantanamo. My understanding is that there are bases in Colombia, yeah, or and and most likely in Costa Rica would be my guess. Costa Rica, and I believe Argentina also has. Uh huh. And in Panama, where, in Panama, I know that there, there is one in Panama. Wherever there is a U.S. military base. Some operations, some type of incursion, and 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 kind of like the United States foreign policy sticking its nose on uh, someone else's business and not wanting to let uh, the the Latin countries, the Hispanic countries, being able to do for themselves because contrary to what to the, what the propaganda is spread over here. From my understanding, from my understanding, before <laughs> Venezuela got into the situation that it is, Venezuela was, was actually doing okay. They yeah, were actually doing. Great. They were doing great. They, they, they were actually doing pretty good. I remember back in the day. I think it was in the in the eighties. My mom had a chance to travel to Venezuela, and and she was telling me about how nice it was that back then how nice it was back then and how clean and how everything was so orderly and and she was very impressed it was very first world of a very first world nation at that time i know that that it started to decay after that 
but you have you, you have to take into consideration as to the why because uh, my understanding is that in the sometime in the 90s or in the late 90s because they were being successful because they were the way that they were doing things was working for them uh, the, certain people in, in the in the US government got a little salty about it and that's when they, they started with the economic sanctions and the economic sanctions and you pile on economic sanctions on a relatively small country for a period of over 20 years you are gonna get what's going on right now remember let's remember everybody anybody listening economic sanctions economic sanctions are acts of war look it up economic sanctions are, are are acts of war because it, it affects in a very detrimental and a very negative way other countries and the united wow. states the united states government hands out economic sanctions all over the world like candy you you guys hear that all the time the economic sanctions this economic sanctions towards venezuela economic sanctions towards Ru russia economic sanctions towards iran economic definitely economic sanctions towards north korea and they are they are affected in a very very negative very detrimental way they are acts of war for which the the united states government never gets held accountable not by the un not by any other international authority definitely now i'm gonna move to brotep Thank you, Ramon, for that assessment. And definitely, I agree with you on that uh, last part when you said, you know, the 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 place that you know America has on basically our countries and other countries all across the world to play with their income and their export and their uh, commerce. That's basically a declaration of war, in my opinion, as well. Now, Brotep, what do you think Absolutely. about? about the difference between how Kamala Harris, uh, you know, did not offer refugee uh, or asylum for our people, knowing full well that the situation is bad, but it was offered to places like Syria or Sudan and places like that. Like, what, what's your take on that one? Man, listen, I, I miss Donald Trump, all right? I like my white supremacists out in the open, honest. All right. What we have now are, you know, people who smile to your face and stab you in the back as soon as you turn around. All right. So with this woman here, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, Kamala, Kamala, she's basically doing everything she's asked by her white supremacist handlers. You know, people from the Sudan and all those places. This is just my take on it, by the way. People from those places, they're considered Caucasians. I don't know if um, if anyone knows that. Pakistan, you know, the Middle East, all those people are Caucasian. And they have, they have involvements with them over there that it probably pays off for them to give them preferential treatment. You know what I mean? So that that's pretty much what that is. I mean, it's on the face of it. It's not, she can lie about it and says just policy or whatever, but it is what it is. You can see what it is. You know, don't, don't, don't let your eyes deceive you. Your eyes are telling you the truth, exactly what it is. She's, you know, all the brown people, well, the wrong kinds of brown people can stay out and the right kinds of brown people who are honorary white people, they can come in. 
That's what I bro I boil it down to. I know that uh the gentleman before me, he he broke it down way more into way more comprehensible parts than I am, but it's just my feeling on it. Definitely, definitely. And I want to highlight what Melanated Knight said. He said, whether people like Trump or not, nobody can deny that he opened that door further than what was for Latinos to get bullied even further. I Absolutely. Absolutely. Facts. Facts. Yeah. For, for, um, yeah, for, for, most most uh brown people from you know south of south of the united states definitely yeah definitely definitely because now everybody that's out in the ether so and what mm -hmm, and one, yeah one one of the things that trump was a master of was sound bites okay he knew how to use that coming from the advertising world he knew that if you're giving long explanations and long diatribes people are going to tune out but if you give very strong strong rhetoric slogans mottos they will go all across the world and come back even stronger so when he said they're not sending their best remember when he said that about mexicans and el salvadorians and all these people he said they're not sending their best they're sending rapists and criminals and gangsters that's a soundbite that everyone kept repeating whether they disagree with it or not they kept repeating that same soundbite so mel knight was at absolutely right in the comment he made that he did open the door wide open even further than it was before that it was not that open it was you know it was creaked open you know a little bit ajar but this dude opened. yeah it was, it was it was kind of like ajar a little bit open but this dude kicked it wide open for that yeah definitely yeah definitely thank you bro Ted, for your assessment um now i have luis here back from his struggle with the computer luis uh, what's your assessment on Kamala Harris not providing Latin countries like Guatemala and Mexico and El Salvador asylum like they have done with other uh, countries around the world when facing violence in their homelands? Um, Luis, are you there? Uh, are you there, Louis? I have a I have a favorite phrase from the Bible is uh, nothing is new under the sun. Like I was I wasn't surprised. And I think what disappointed me even more more since like since I'm Gen Z like the um I think I think Luis right now is having technical issues. Uh, Luis, I'll get back to you eventually. But uh oh, um, Kamala got him. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I was sitting here talking Kamala shit about him. Got him. Kamala got him. <laughs> Kamala got I guess him. so. <laughs> now, I would say, you know, guys, I I agree with. Uh, every single one of you's opinion on this topic. It's, oh my God. And the only thing I would disagree with Ramon a little bit is like the fact of the numbers, not because it's not right. Of course, we're way more people than a lot of these countries. Now, like I said, it's, it's a lot of stigmas surrounding our migration that doesn't surround any other um, countries because I don't know if you guys have heard about honor killings. 
coming from Middle Easterns that actually were here provided asylum. And what they were doing is that they were coming here still with their culture and their religion. And not all of Muslims, of course, let's just put that disclaimer out there, but there's a lot of Muslims here that, you know, when their children, especially the woman, decide to date outside of Muslim, uh, the Muslim community, uh, fathers are supposed to kill this woman as a preservation of the honor of the family, quote unquote, of course. So if that's not criminal, I don't know what it is, but we're the only ones that usually get portrayed as criminals and rapists and all this stuff. So it's like I said, it's, it's really sad to see that, you know, I see that Luis is back. Let me add him real quick. Luis, uh, can you tell us your take on what you were trying to say earlier? My bad. Hey, yo, this, this computer hates me. Can you all hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> okay. So what I was saying is that... Um, can you all hear me? Yeah, yeah. We hear you. Okay. So I think that on the, on the Kamala thing, I was not surprised at all. Like... Um, I think that one of the most disappointing things, especially like because I'm Generation Z and I see that a lot of like the Hispanic youth that 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 are here, a lot of them just like fell for it because I I don't because we just in this in in right now there's a lot of like political polarization and like a, a microscope on identity, and so I think that a thing that ties in into the mental health thing is that I think Hispanic people and Latin people. We're a very reactionary people. Like we 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 want reaction and we want action instead of calculation and reflection. And that could be very beneficial, but that can also be very detrimental. So we can we can put it now where someone like Trump was just like like uh uh I forgot his name, but he said he he just kicked the door open. Someone like him, and we reacted to that. And some of us just like completely fell for the lesser of two evils, which wasn't really a lesser. And yeah. we can go years back and we can see in Latin American governments and, and uh, political violence where we get we have one system we don't like, someone comes in, makes us a promise, overthrows that system, but then we we still in the place where we are. And so we react to that and we're like, okay, we want we, we don't like the system either because it's, it's, it's messing us up even more. So in, in the great scheme of things, we can be a very reactionary people. And I think that we need to, we, we need, we need reflection and we need, we need mindfulness. Yeah. So yeah. We need a more holistic approach. Thank you so much for that assessment, Luis. We definitely do need a more holistic approach to these situations because I agree with you hundred percent. We're, we're very, we have an emotional response to these things. And we often think, oh, let's just pick the other person because it's evil, but not as evil and we can be better. And it turns out to be, uh, you know, something like we're seeing with Kamala traveling in her first diplomatic trip to come to our countries to bully us into staying in the situations that we're in. So, well, you guys know I like to keep these uh, live streams shorter. And like you said, Luis, in the in the private chat, you said Malcolm X warned us about the foxes and white liberals. Yeah, definitely. I agree with your assessment. Um, so I will go by one by one. 
uh, on final thoughts on today's topic. But before I do that, I want to uh, once again put in the main screen, you know, the services that are out there uh, for our people. And the SAMHSA hotline is 1-800-662-4357. Again, 1-800-662-4357. If you or a loved one are going through mental health issues or trauma or are suffering from any substance abuse as a result of this, please reach out. You're not alone. We're here to help you or reach out to us. You know, we are here to help you. We're part of your community. And definitely you don't have to live through this by yourself. Now we'll start with the final thoughts of Jose. So go ahead, Jose, share your final thoughts on today's topic. Well, thank you very much for allowing me to participate in this stream. It was another great topic. And the fact of the matter is uh, we need to discuss this more deeply. Um, in my case, I'm an overcomer of depression and suicidal thoughts. I mean, so I can understand what others are going through when it comes to this issue. I just want to let these individuals, if, and if there's anybody out there that's facing depression, just bear in mind, you're not alone. There are resources that are there for you. Don't don't feel ashamed to reach out for help, whether it be a friend, a family member, um, an elder, or what have you, or any any services that can provide mental health. Please reach out to these you know these sources, because every one of you is a human being with great worth. And I thank you, Denise, for letting me speak. And as always. Please be safe out there because unfortunately there are people that want to do us harm. Definitely. Thank you so much, Jose. And I will see you on my next show on Thursday. Thank you always for sharing your wisdom with me and with the rest of the people watching and always coming here with good vibes for every single one of us to learn from. So thank you very much for your support and for the advice that you always come with. It's very valuable. Thank you. I'll see you on the next one, okay? Yes, peace, peace everybody. Have a blessed night. Okay. Now, um, I want all aboard to go. Uh, all aboard, final thoughts on today's topic. If you can do me a favor, can you please uh, um, show the address? Um, can you highlight it? Is it possible? So that we what can happened? donate, or I can just read it. Long Beach oh, Community Foundation. Yeah. Oh, 400 Ocean Gate, Suite 800. Long Beach, California, 90802. And it should be marked as Migrant Children Support Funds. I'm going to be putting my donation in the mail. And I think that everyone should do that as well. Um, all we have is each other. And I think that we also need to hold our politicians accountable. They work for us. And they work for our interests. And um, I don't want to see a repeat of what happened with this election because they're not going to work for us. There are so many people in America. We don't need the same few families. We don't need the same corporate politicians. 
I want to see us progress and uh, and move forward. So um, that being said, um, everyone be safe. And if you have an issue with mental health, um, don't be afraid to take care of it. Don't be embarrassed to be an immigrant. Don't be embarrassed to have parents that are immigrants. Because, you know, we're strong. It just shows your, um, it shows your resilience. So you guys have a good night. Thank you very much, Olavor, for your assessment. And definitely, yes, uh, don't be ashamed of, you know, your status or that you have to come here and that you have to go through so many things, you know. Like I said, um, we are a community and we're all out here. You might have a large pocket of our people that don't want to help you out, but people like myself, Olavor, and many, many, many others are out here to help um, alongside of SAMHSA, uh, which is uh, uh, an association, uh, organization that will help you with mental health or any addiction that you might have to any substance. So like I said, reach out. Uh, we will try to connect you with resources as much as we can. So like I said, um, don't be embarrassed and, you know, walk with pride. You know, you made it. And the road ahead is difficult. I get it, but we are all, all here to support you. Now I'm going to move to Ramon. Ramon, final thoughts on today's topic. Ramon, are you there? Hang on, hang on. For a moment, you couldn't hear me. I was, yeah, I was muted. Okay, two things, really quick, really quick. I know that when I mentioned something, when I was mentioning about the the economic sanctions, is mm -hmm. true. I should have mentioned Cuba, but. Cuba was under a, an, an or I, I think she's it still is under an, an embargo, and yeah. that's probably even worse than an economic sanction. So they're they're being they're they were really economically isolated for decades. That's the first thing. The first thing I should have mentioned it, but there there was a different name for what it was placed on that, which was that economic embargo that had put it in such. Uh, a situation of poverty. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's still an embargo. It's still up. It's still in place. That's the first thing. The second thing, when it comes to, because I didn't say anything specifically uh, about Kamala, uh, as unfortunate as it is, that she didn't do anything that was any, uh, of any positivity for, for us Hispanics, uh, Latinos, or whatever the classification you want to use. The thing is that we shouldn't have been surprised we shouldn't have been surprised that she will turn like that, that she will the the she will say something like that. But because let's understand, let's remember when she was campaigning, when she when she was campaigning for president, I believe. And she's what is it that she said about the black community? That she wasn't gonna do anything when it came to the to the reparations issue. That she wasn't gonna do anything that specifically will help the the Black American community. So oh, that hold is on, hold on, partner, partner, hold on, hold on, I got it. I'm not gonna do anything for the Black community exclusively. No. All right, you may proceed, uh, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, I'm mentioning that because it already that and this now what she said when it comes to when it came to the migrants, it already establishes a pattern. And I'm sure I don't know if she already has, but I'm sure that she if she does anything for for anybody, it will be for at least 
East Indians because that's what she identifies as, as an East Indian. That whole thing about her being a black woman, that, that, that was a con. That was a con because it, it, that's not how how she saw herself. She was born out of her mother. She identified with the culture and the heritage of her late mother, who was East Indian. Nothing about the and nothing about the dad. I know that dad is is Jamaican, mixed race, and all, but he the man didn't never identify as being black. So how can she be black when neither one of her parents identified with being of the black race to begin with? So I don't know if she's going to be doing something for Far East Asians, but at least when it comes to being an East Indian, she will be more likely to do something for them because uh, that's what she identifies as. And it, unfortunately, we should have seen this coming. Uh, her saying that when it comes to, to migrants, Hispanic migrants, we should have, we should have seen it coming because uh, there are many of us Hispanics that are also that are also of the black race. So definitely there was a pattern or an expectation that she would say something like that, but a very, very unwelcoming uh and I wanna words. I wanna I wanna highlight uh something that Melanie and I said uh to piggyback from what you're saying, Ramon, because Kamala didn't have any problem uh like Melanie and I said cosplaying as an African American when she wanted to become the vice president she used her black card a hundred percent to become the vice president and pass the you know the election with flying numbers he says kamala cosplays as an african-american when she wants to and when it's convenient it's like uh i don't know if you guys watch tim black i watch him religiously and i love one of the remarks he made when he's like kamala is like the store that you call and you say hey do you carry this product that i need and then when you get to the store uh you know oh we don't carry it anymore once you have spent the gas and your time to go to the store they don't carry that <laughs> that's, that's, that's kamala <laughs> you know we don't carry this anymore <laughs> so like i said it's 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 literally uh very funny to see that now she's she's claiming uh everything under the sun but being a black woman so definitely yeah i agree with you melanie tonight she's she's just a cosplayer but thank you ramon for your assessment i'm going to move now to bro tap uh bro tap thank you for joining my platform and again um uh, melanie and i said what's up johnson yeah definitely <laughs> you guys know that's his signature uh response everybody so what's up bro <laughs> uh what's your take on today and your final thoughts on today's topic well the problem that we have with a panel like this is everyone on here is intelligent so by the time it gets to the last guy in line there's nothing left you know for anybody to say everyone on here has been on point i mean chef's kiss moi fantastic thinking critical thinking analyses everything you know uh, i would like to add though that one of the things we talk about um we talk about if you if you have some of these disabilities and you can recognize it right and be honest with yourself seek help right well some of us who can recognize it in others we have to also learn how to approach other people non-judgmentally and offer them help as well 
You know, maybe maybe they haven't realized that, okay, they have a particular problem. Maybe your friend has some sort of memory issue, right? And, you know, they repeat the same thing over and over and you think it might be a problem. It's it's incumbent upon you. You're, you're a good friend. You're supposed to, you know, at least bring it up to to their attention you know what i mean so that that's that's one thing right uh so so we have to be kind of like a community globally and socially we have to be a community so it's not only if you have a problem seek help but those of us who see a problem in others you know um make them aware of it and offer them as much not again the key word here is non-judgmental support (laughs) i bet you're crazy you need to no 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 non-judgmental non-judgmental right also to go back to to go back to if you have a problem there are a lot of people who who don't take mental health problems seriously you you if if you caught a bullet to the kidney you wouldn't sit around and wait, would you? You'd go to the ER right away. So, and and that's, you know, you got two of those organs. You got the one brain. <laughs> you got one brain, there's something wrong with it. You're not going to go see somebody. That, that's, that's, you know, um, a little bit unwise, right? Uh, the, the closing thought on Kamala Harris is that, yeah, she's, She's not only cosplaying, uh, Mel, Mel Knight is absolutely correct. She's cosplaying as an African-American when it's convenient. But to add on top of that, she's doing it in a condescending way. If you looked at her campaign all throughout this thing, you know, uh, I, I guess Hillary Clinton did the same thing, showing up with ketchup, uh, was it ketchup or barbecue sauce in her purse and stuff, something like that? You know, Kamala did that same thing, where she had some sort of um, white, graduate who who studied ebonics and black culture and you know that that person gave her a list of instead of talking about hey can we get reparations you know uh how how's the the uh incarceration rates you know and uh uh you know what do you call it the unfair uh unfair judicial system towards black people no 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 let's talk about who's your favorite top 10 rappers of all time it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. What? I don't care what come out. Who? Who is? I don't care what she thinks about Tupac or, or, or Jay Z. I need to know what's going to happen to my cousin who went up top, right, for a bag of weed, and then weed is now legal in the state where he was busted at. How about that? But you want to talk about who's the best rapper? Da 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 da. I don't care what you think, Kamala. And you know, I, I think that that's about it. I'll, I'll get, I'll save the anger for my channel. <laughs> uh, you had, you had a fantastic panel. I'm not gonna sully it with 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 some rage, but um, yeah, that that's pretty much it. You know, I I appreciate your rage over here. So, uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. Always, always let it out. You know, as yeah. you see fit. So thank you very much, Brotep, for your assessment. And for those who do not know who Brotep is. Uh, Brotep has an excellent platform where he brings interesting topics either from minorities, either from business, or even uh, superheroes and cosplay and all this stuff. So if you love this content, trust me, you will love Brotep's platform. Go follow him, uh, like his comment, leave a comment below the description box. Uh, and start interacting with him. He's a very intelligent individual, and I appreciate his input all the time. So thank you, Brotep, 
Um, oh, I don't you, know man. if you're going to have a show following. Oh, yeah, yeah. Immediately after you. As soon as you close out, I'm, I'm having uh, my show. Uh, oh. You know, the, these celebrities can't stay out of the, uh, the sociopolitical limelight. So I'm going to cover the recent thing with uh, Zoe Saldana, where she thinks we care about her Dominicanness when the people who, who basically approached her about the things she was saying were just concerned about anti-blackness but we'll discuss that on the platform next like yeah. right after you yeah definitely so right after we finish Brotep will be on his channel i will join him briefly i have to also go to another uh stream i won't say anything right now but um i want to highlight what luis said he said i remember the days when kamala identified as a native american i remember those days you know kamala like i said before she's a cop in my opinion, and she's like Tim Black says, the store that tells you on the phone that they carry something, and then when you make it there, they don't carry it anymore. I'm not going to, you know, close as I usually do, but because out of sensitivity, you know, for the topic, I want everybody to remember the last thing that they remember out of this topic is what's going on in uh, our Latin countries and the treatment that our immigrants are getting, and also how to keep our humanity in check. You know, one of the, the struggles that many of us have here in the United States is that we see so much dehumanization of our people that we start seeing them as the media wants us to see them. And we cannot, you know, forget and be dehumanized also or desensitized from our people's struggle. So without any further ado, I want to thank everybody that joined and tuned in today and those who support the channel constantly. I want to take blood, thank Blood Moon and Rakim for the donation on the last show. Um, they did it past, you know, past when the show was ended. So thank you very much for your donation. Uh, also, don't forget to like and subscribe and hit the bell for notifications for future shows. Thank you very much for tuning in and your support. We already reached 100 subscribers. Now we're on the road for 200 and thousands more. Thank you very much for the, the ones that are listening to me for the first time. My name is Denise Gonzalez, and this has been another episode of Latin Explaining.